I want to thank you again for joining us this evening. I appreciate you so much, more than you realize. I love for us to study the Word of God together. Today we're going to be studying the second book of Kings. Now just a quick refreshing. Uh, if you recall, we, we dealt with the book of First and Second Samuel. And at the end of that book, a gentleman by the name David became king. And so the book of First King and Second King can be called the book of kings. So you hear about David, you hear about Solomon, you hear about Rehoboam, all kinds of kings. So, but you might be wondering, so why am I learning about kings? There's a lot we can learn from the book of First and Second Kings. Number one, if you are a leader, some of you pastors watching me, you need to study that book. You can learn a lot about leadership, especially if you want to succeed. And you don't have to be a pastor to be a leader. Some of you, your mothers and fathers, your leaders in your own home. Some of you on your job, maybe you're a supervisor, maybe you're a head of a ministry. There's all kinds of forms of leadership. You need to know what does God expected of leaders. Also, one thing we can learn from the book of First and Second King is exactly what America is going through right now. In fact, that's one thing I want you to pick from this lesson. Pay attention. You can literally see a pattern of behavior and the consequence of that behavior and how God can bring us out of where we're in. So I hope that you will have fun as we study this book. Let's start out by reminding ourselves David became king, David did a lot of things, and then he died. When he died, that was the end of the second book of Samuel. Then we go to the first book of Kings, then you see a new king by the name Solomon. You probably remember Solomon, there are basically three things you need to know about Solomon. Number one was how he prayed to God for wisdom and how God gave him wisdom, and how, how he became literally the wisest man on earth. I can stop there and preach to you and me. Do you realize a lot of what we do, we just do it because we're acting dumb? I've been there myself. A lot of mistakes I've made in my life is just lack of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom. The Bible says, In all of your getting, get understanding. So I first want to encourage everybody. Don't make any major decision without wisdom. And how do you get wisdom? Ask God about it. The Bible says, He gives wisdom generously to anyone that asks. I will not buy a new car without consulting with God. I will not marry anybody 
without checking with God. I would not even, I just got a, a new position on my job. I asked for weeks to pray about it. I mean, they, everybody would say, come on, let's go. Uh, no, time out. Always make sure that in whatever you do, you seek the wisdom of God. Solomon prayed to God for wisdom, not for money, not for houses and land. And God gave him wisdom. Then God added a lot of other blessings. You know how the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The Bible says all these other stuffs will be added unto you. What other stuffs? Houses, land, you want a yacht. <laughs> Whatever it is that you want. God is so good, but he wants to check out your heart. Because Solomon was not asking for material things, God respected that. So Solomon was known for wisdom. There's something else that you need to remember Solomon for. He built the finest temple. There's a lot I can share with you about the temple. But for the sake of time, I just want you to grab one thing. And that is that he built that temple with a spirit of excellence. Let me encourage you, whatever you do in life, do it with excellence. I don't care if you are, if you are a basket maker. I don't care if you're a janitor. I don't care if you cook in the kitchen. Whatever you do, if your name is going to be attached to it, make sure it's a place of excellence. I am walking in that anointing right now. I raise all my children with clear understanding that excellence is very important. The Bible talks about God himself. The Bible says, O oh Lord our God, how excellent is your name. His name is excellent. His work is excellent. His words, I mean everything about God, you see a signature of excellence. Solomon built a magnificent temple that people were traveling all over the world to come and see the temple. That's how excellent it is. I don't know about you. I don't know what you do for a living. I mean, many of you are watching locally. Some of you are watching nationally. Some of you are watching internationally. I'm grateful that you join us. But whatever you do, wherever you are, do it with excellence. I'm a pastor. It would be tragic if I'm leading a church with no spirit of excellence attached to it. Just before I came on the set this, this morning, guess what? I spent time talking to some of my staff on how we can prove the quality of our video, the quality of our media ministry, the quality of our church ministry. That's what excellence is all about. Always look for ways that you can do better. Whether you're a school teacher, you can be a better teacher. Whether you're a pastor, you can be a better pastor. Can you imagine if all of us adopt that principle of excellence? What a world this will be.
poor thinking only produce poor results. But when you adopt this mindset of being the best you can in all areas of life, believe me, you only have one place to go, to the top. Another thing I want you to, re to remember about Solomon, I told you, if you're making note, he was known for wisdom. He was known for excellence. Another thing is that he made a lot of mistakes. And maybe you and I, what is holding us up is the mistakes we make in our life. In the case of Solomon, guess what? He married so many women from different countries. He was doing that to form political alliances with various kings of the earth. Ah, you might say, oh, pastor, you just after people committing fornication, adultery. It's much deeper than that, to be honest with you. It's not so much of the, the ladies or the marriages or the alliances. The real problem is that he allowed the gods of those nations to come to Israel. So now Israel, that's known for worshiping God, Jehovah, now they have many gods. Do you remember the, the commandment of the Lord? The first commandment God gave to Israel, thou shalt have no other gods before me. It's not even the adultery. It's not even the ladies. It's not even the fornication. God is a very jealous God. I wonder, how many gods do you have? Let that sink in. The Bible is really not complicated. I mean, there's a reason why I drop my notes just to talk to you, just to share my heart with you. One of the number one killers of our life today is that we have too many gods. Some of us worship our sports. You'll be surprised how many people will go shopping instead of going to church. We all have 24 hours. You'll be shocked what we do within those 24 hours. God wants to be first in your life. He doesn't want to be second. See, I'm married to Elizabeth. Guess what one thing she wants? She wants to be priority in my life. Same thing with God. God don't want to be second best to nobody. God wants to be the number one priority in your life, in my life. That's why the Bible says seek first. First, not second, not third, first, the kingdom of God. Ladies and gentlemen, because of that serious mistake, then we had some other problems. Even there was slavery. He got into all kinds of building construction and he turned his own people into slaves. Now you thought slavery just began with, with black folks like you and me? No. It predates the American slavery. And you know what is so sad? Today, we still have slavery. 
Some governments still make their own citizens to be slaves. Some people make themselves slaves. Don't turn me up. You say, you got to be kidding. Well, if God provided you plenty of opportunities in life, and you choose not to pursue those opportunities, guess what you're going to be? Hello? <laughs> so the Bible is really amazing. I believe the worst thing you or men can do to ourselves is to make our own selves slaves in the land of the free. I want to encourage you to take personal responsibility for your life. Train your children the same way. Pass that value, work ethics. Maybe you want to learn a trade. Maybe you want to go into the military. Maybe you're into sports. Maybe you're into entertainment. Maybe you want to go to school. It doesn't matter what avenue, but find you something and make up your mind. No, I'm going to be the best in this area. I'm going to make a living in this area, and I'm going to be able to pay my own bills. I, will, I refuse to be slave to anyone. You still love me? <laughs> Just taking it easy. Now, Solomon died. You say, wow, everybody's going to die eventually unless Jesus showed up and we all raptured. After Solomon, you know, we had his own son, Rehoboam. Rehoboam was very much like his daddy, you know, like, like father, like son. He was greedy. He was into uh, all kinds of shady things. He was into idolatry. And then he continued the tradition of slavery in Israel. The result of that, ladies and gentlemen, the kingdom, the people couldn't take it anymore. The kingdom split. You might be wondering, Pastor, why are you telling me all this story? Well, let me share with you how it's relevant to today. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Have you noticed that America is dividing? Hmm, like a senior hall. Hmm, think about it. The Bible is very relevant. That's what sin would do. When you begin to treat people very badly, when you allow injustice, when there's two, two different types of justice, one for one group, another for another group, when you cannot trust the government, and you cannot trust the leaders, and you cannot trust the pastors, you cannot trust the police, you cannot even trust even people who are close to you, that will eventually lead to chaos. Let me take this opportunity to warn America. You see, I'm an American citizen. If I don't care, I'll just lie low and chill and make my own living. And <laughs> if we don't stop the direction we're going, we will be self-destruct. We will never have to worry about the Russians coming to fight us or the Chinese, or North Korea, or Iran, or all this stuff. We would die from within. Let's try unity for a chance. Let's try loving one another for a chance. 
Let's try doing the right thing. Just common sense. Doing what is right. Because there was so much injustice in Israel. Because the leadership could not be trusted. From Solomon to his son, everything was going down the tube. The ultimate result, the kingdom split into two. Now we have two Israel. We have North Israel and then we have South Israel. South Israel has its capital in Jerusalem. North Israel has its capital in Samaria. Houston, we got problem. The Bible records, let me, let me walk you through the word of God. And you can see America in this. The Bible records there were 20 kings in North Israel. And there were 20 kings in South Israel. That's how many kings the Bible recorded. Guess what? The Bible, according to God, has three criteria to judge those kings. The same criteria is available today. It's still applicable to you. Whether you are, whether you are the mother of your children, whether you are the father of your children, whether you are a supervisor on the job, whether you are pastor or mayor or president or governor, it don't matter, or you're a judge. What are those three things God judges people for? Number one, his commands. Are you obeying God's commands? One scripture say in the book of First, actually Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, it says, if you are willing, and if you are obedient to condition, willingness, obedience, the Bible says you will eat the fruit of the land. America is a very rich country. Plenty of opportunity. But many will live in this great country and never see the fruits. I hate to say it that way. And yet Mexicans and, and Chinese or whatever, people from foreign countries, they will come in and do very well. What's missing? Willingness. Obedience. The first thing God looks to judge anybody, leaders, their obedience to God's command. Many kings in Israel failed woefully. Many of you and me were still failing in this area. That's why we serve God when we feel like it. That's why we go to church only when we feel like it. That's why we don't even pray. A lot of things just no longer a priority. Serving God, we do it as a hobby, out of convenience. And as a result, we stay defeated. The second thing God is looking at, believe it or not, is whether or not you have allowed idols. God is, is biggie on idolatry. He's such a jealous God, he just doesn't want to compete with anybody. So do you allow your children to get away from God? Do you go to church while you leave your children at home? By the way, children often mimic what they see in their parents. 
If they see you pray, guess what the kids will do? They will be praying. If they see you read your Bible, guess what the kids will likely do? They will read their Bible. If they see you go to church, guess what the kids will do? They will copy their mom and their daddy. But suppose what they see you do is party all day, party all night. If they see you, if all they see you do is just drinking and, and smoking pipes and doing crazy things, guess what they're likely to do? If they see you force and fight, every time they turn around, mom and daddy just beating up each other and just arguing and fussing and shooting everybody in the neighborhood, guess what you're going to get? They're going to grow up and be just like that. Let me encourage you and I. Let's do the right thing. A lot of these kings failed woefully. It was disaster. And that's what caused the nation to, to split. Now, one thing about God, and I really, I really love this about God. He was so kind to those folks in Israel. He's trying everything to save their behind. So he came up with this idea of bringing prophets, hoping that the prophets will help to change things. That's where the book of Second King begins. Whoa, you see all this thing has been introduction. <laughs> I told you I love the Bible. <laughs> I can sit here all day and just talk the Bible for the next 24 hours. So God introduced prophets to help the situation because things were going down the two. And the same thing is true about America today. God has sent some people to help us to do better. By the way, let me seize this opportunity to tell you how you recognize a true prophet. Because not everybody that says they're called by God are really called by God. I'm sorry to say that. Just because somebody tells you they're a pastor or they're evangelist or they're teacher or they're apostle, whatever they claim to be, or they're the assistant to the Pope, don't buy it. There are things that you look for that make somebody a man or woman of God. Number one, prophets they are not fortune tellers. So if you see somebody say, oh, I see millions of dollars coming. I see whatever coming. I see you with a nice husband. Oh, I can see you riding Rolls Royce. Oh, boy. please, get a clue. They are not fortune tellers. Guess what they were? Number one, they are God's spokesman. They are just a mouthpiece of Almighty God. You see, God is not here in person. So you have to use the mouth of somebody as an instrument to convey his message to you and me. That's what you look for. So when they say it's going to rain, guess what? It's going to rain. But don't give the credit to that man of God or to that woman of God. No, he's just an instrument. She's just an instrument. I'm quick to point out to people, look, look, I'm not a healer. 
In fact, I would tell them, if you get on my now, I'm going to cuss you out. Just to let you know, I'm a human being. I'm just a brother just like you. What they are, they are God's mouthpiece. Spokesman. Guess what else they are? True prophets. They are watchmen. You know what that means? In other words, they will call out whatever is wrong in the society. You want to know a true pastor? He or she is somebody that if he sees something wrong in the city, he will call it out. She will call it out. When you see somebody that is a sellout of his own people, they are not men and women of God. They are watchmen. True prophets are watchmen. And if they see even the king doing the wrong thing, they will call it out. The mayor, the governor, the president of the country, they are not going to White House to take pictures, to look cute. No. People who are called by God, they're very serious, they're very focused, and they will call any wrongdoing out. Whether it's in their own life, whether it's in their community, whether it's in their society, whether it's in government, don't matter. Number three, are you making no? I'm just wasting my time. <laughs> Number three, they are people that reminds everybody the word of God. See, God has what we call commandments. Uh, for the Israelites, it was a covenant. God wants to make covenant with you and me also. It's a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. So prophets are people that remind all of us. That's what I do every, every, every opportunity I get. That's what I'm doing with you now, to remind you and me the mind of God, what God has said. So they are a reminder of the, of the covenant of God. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't do this. Don't, or oh, you need to do this. Pay your bill. Pay your tithe. I mean, be a nice guy. Or whatever it is, they are constantly remind. You know why we, we all need to be reminded? Because this flesh of ours tends to forget. Have you noticed people, they start to do very well. And then they begin to slide down again. <laughs> Maybe you never did, but I, I'm guilty. I've, I've, I've made up my mind many times. Oh, I never drink soda anymore. No more sugar. It's not good for my flesh. Oh, diabetes. Ah, thumbs down. Oh, I might say, no, I exercise every day. And then I start doing it, you know. And then my wife will say, oh, I'm so proud of you, baby. I'm so proud of you. And then you give me one week, two weeks, three weeks. And after a while, I begin to slide back. <laughs> I hope my wife is not watching today. <laughs> she probably will say, uh-huh, yeah, so true. So we all need to be reminded. That's what prophets do. The last thing they do for the sake of time, you see, I have a brother here, Maurice, he'll be getting on my nerve. He don't want me to preach too long. <laughs> he 
The fourth thing prophets do, they hold everybody accountable, including themselves. And that's very important. If we don't have any check in place, human beings will do horrible things. All right? Quick review. What do prophets do? Number one, they are watchmen. Number two, they are God's spokesmen. As a watchman, they call out wrong. As God's spokesman, they say what they hear from God. Number three, I told you and I will say it again. They are very much reminders of the law of God. And finally, they hold everybody accountable. Okay, with that in mind, there were two prophets you need to know in the book of 2 Kings. The first one, what's the first one? You say, hey, how am I supposed to know you the preacher? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I love my job. So the first one is called Elijah. Every now and then I, I'm reminded myself I have a lot of tendency like Elijah. What do you need to know about Elijah? Number one, he's kind of cuckoo. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in the desert. He's wild a little bit. <laughs> but God uses him. Now, in terms of his prophetic achievement, the main thing you need to remember, during his ministry, there was a king in Israel called Ahab. A-H-A-B. And Ahab was married to Jezebel. <laughs> you probably have heard of Jezebel. So these guys, they were, they were the political leaders. And every time they, they do wrong, Prophet Elijah would be right in their face and say, you wrong. Mr. President, you wrong. God don't like ugly. You wrong. Sometimes I do that. In your face, don't really give a flip what you think. Just tell you and me what does says the Lord. We all need it. One time, Ahab the king, he brought uh, there's some kind of god. It's a foreign god called Baal, and then the whole country was worshiping Baal instead of worshiping God. Guess what Elijah did? He confronted the king. You're wrong. In fact, he challenged, things got so bad, he challenged all those Baal worshippers and their prophets to a contest. And there was a mountain called Mount Camel. He said, let's all meet on Mount Camel. And let's find out whose God is the real God. He said, we're all going to put up sacrifice and we're not going to put fire on the sacrifice. We're not going to use no matches, no gasoline. Let's all call on our God to work the miracle and consume the sacrifice. If your God is real God, he should be able to do that. If my God is the real God, he should be able to do that. I know this may sound a little silly, but the prophets of Baal agreed to that because they wanted to prove to the king and to the old nation, what they got is real. 
So they met 400 prophets of Baal against one prophet of Almighty God, Elijah. And then Elijah said, since you all are many, I'll let you go first. And the Bible records in the book of 2 Kings. You need to read this book. You will love it. The Bible says, from morning till evening, the prophets of Baal, they were screaming and yelling, calling on their God to come down and consume the, the sacrifice. And the more they cried, nothing happened. Then Elijah began to mock them. Maybe your God is sleeping. Scream a little louder. You know, that sounds like what Joshua, that I would do. <laughs> Just sometimes you go to enjoy what you do. <laughs> and the Bible said they were screaming loud. And God to a point, then they start cutting each other. They believe they do something to get attention. But guess what? Nothing happened. Then Elijah said, okay, let me try my own God. And Elijah called on God Jehovah and instantly thunder, lightning, fire, strike from heaven and consume the whole altar. Then guess what happened? The prophets of Baal, the false prophet, they start running. And Elijah, now this is amazing. One guy, he chased 400 of them and he killed every one of them. In one day, he destroyed the whole set of 400 false prophets. And God, Almighty God, vindicated him that day. I wish I have time just to, 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 to share the heart of God with you on this. If you're listening to me, if you're a man of God or you're a woman of God, I don't mean you being a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher to be a man of God or to be a woman of God. If you're doing the right thing, believe me when I tell you, God will vindicate you. I don't care how many people rise up against you. I wish you and I can just hang out and, and we get two chicken wings and diet coke. Always diet, diet. <laughs> I wish I can sit down with you and share with you how many times the Lord has had to vindicate me. Believe me when I tell you, if you stand up for righteousness, if you continue to stand up for holiness, if you, if you don't back down on what is right, God will vindicate you. I don't care how many... People rise up against you. I don't care the size of the opposition. God is looking for somebody, a man, a woman, that he can count on to do the right thing. Ladies and gentlemen, another thing you will remember about our prophet Elijah is that that same king, his wife Jezebel, tried to take somebody's land. That somebody, his name is Mr. Nabot. Nabot had a piece of ground, and I guess the wife, Miss Jezebel, wanted the land for something. And so they requested this gentleman, and the king need your land, the first lady need your land, and we'll pay you for your land. And the guy said, no, I'm not selling you my land. That's my father's land. That's my inheritance. 
guess what they did to him? Jezebel and her husband, they killed that man so they can have his life. Guess who called them out? Mm -hmm. The prophet, prophet Elijah. He confronted the king and his wife. He said, Mr. President, or Mr. King, or whatever you call yourself, you are wrong. That's what prophets do. I can go on and on and share with you, but for the sake of time, eventually Elijah died, the prophet, and there's another prophet. His prophet, the new prophet, was like a protege of Elijah. You know, just like I'm pastor right now, I have associate pastors, all right? Obviously, somebody will have to succeed me when, I, when I'm gone. I may be dead, I may be gone, you never know. So, but there are proteges. They are supposed to succeed the, the pastor or whatever. So this guy's name is Elisha. So there's something called mantu. I'm about to teach you a principle that's very important. Every leader, every pastor, every great man, great woman of God, God give them a mantle. That mantle is like super, God's super on their natural. That's what allowed them to do things. We give a lot of credit to people, but they really did not all that. I mean, what do I know? I never passed through any church in my life. I never built anything. I mean, I've never... I mean, not trying to push myself down, but there is a mantle. There's a calling upon my life. What do you need to know about that mantle? When it's time for that person, that man, that woman to die, you don't take the mantle of God on your life. You don't take that with you to heaven. Listen, pay attention. That mantle has to be passed on to somebody else. I wish I can tell you there are some five men of God that are literally, when they died, asked God to give me their mantle. And God answered my prayer because I understood what I'm teaching you now. I know they cannot take what they got to heaven. So there's nothing wrong for you to covet the mantle of a man or woman of God. One of those mantles that are covered is a gentleman by the name Benny Idaosa. He's a minister, he's a preacher from Africa. You can Google his name. He became number one in the whole world. Can you imagine a preacher from a third world country? But eventually he died. Another brother that I covet his mantle is by the name Brother Kenneth Hagen. He was not only not only his mantle, but he was my mentor. Another brother is a friend of mine, Miles Monroe. So what am I trying to teach you? Ministers, men, women of God. They have a mantle that God has given them. Find somebody to mentor you. What you're trying to do right now, 
Somebody already did it. Trying to help you. When Elijah was about to die, his protege, Elisha, was asked, do you want my mantle? And Elisha said, yes, sir, I want it. And then prophet Elijah said, keep following me. If you are around by the time God called me home, if you are around when I die, you will have what I have. Then that young man said, not only do I want what you have, I want double portion of what you have. You talk about it. Boldness. That's another topic, buddies. Because I'm sure there are people who are my associates who will say, I want exactly what Pastor Josh had. But Jesus asked his disciples who wanted his mantle. He said, are you willing to drink from the same cup that I have to drink from? Some of them say yes, some of them said no. What am I trying to tell you? To covet somebody's mantle will cost you. It doesn't come for free. Jesus was crucified on the cross. You remember that. Guess what happened to Peter? Crucified. Guess what happened to Paul? Crucified. I mean, you can just go down the line. In fact, Nero literally cut Paul's head off. I mean, you remember John the Baptist? Not only did they cut his neck, they actually put his head on a, pla- on a, on a plate for display. Anointing comes with a price. So be careful before you ask for it. <laughs> The Bible records, this is the amazing thing. The Bible records that Elijah performed seven big, huge miracles during his lifetime. Guess what happens to Elisha, his protege? The Bible records he performed 14. I don't even have enough finger to count 14. I only got 10. So after 10, count four more. One, two, three, four. In other words, he got exactly what he prayed for. By the way, be careful what you pray for. One thing I've noticed in my life, sometimes I'll be joking about wanting something, and then God will give it to me. I have now learned that God takes my word more serious than I take my own words. So I've learned to be very careful in calculating what I say. Be careful in your prayer life. Be careful in just your ordinary conversation. Hallelujah. I have a friend. (laughs) I hope I didn't get in trouble for this. My wife tells me I talk too much. I see Maurice rolling his eyes. "Mm -hmm." (laughs) I have a friend. His name is James Hughes. You can look him up. He is from Newton, Texas. James Hughes is the richest man in Newton, Texas. And we were buddies, and 
And I told James, I said, one day I want to be rich like you. And I noticed James did not say one word. So I said, hmm, maybe he just don't want me to be rich like him. I said it again another day. He won't say a word. And one time he and I were flying. He has a private jet, you know. We were flying. We're not going anywhere. We just wanted to go in the air and just fly around. We fly to California and then we came back and we fly to other places. We're just flying around all day. Just and we will we would land in a city, they give us a red carpet treatment, we'll get some uh, some nice you know. <laughs> and we were just cruising all day. And then I said it again. I said, you know, someday I would like to just do stuff like this. And I noticed something amazing. James began to cry. And I'm thinking, man, I may have said something. So I asked him, I said, look, James, what, what's going on? Am I missing something? And he said, you know, I love you so much. I don't want you to carry the burden that I carry. And then he began to share with me the plight of being rich in America. The obligations. How many people want to sue you? How many people want to use you? How many people want to steal with you from you? And he just goes on and he just breaks down. He's the largest employer in Newton County, Texas. You can look it up. The very people he's trying to help, sometimes they're his worst enemies. But you know what? I counted the cost. I, I wasn't really, I, I would say I was a little ignorant, you know. I said, oh, that don't worry, I, don't, I can handle it. I said, bring it on, Lord. <laughs> you know, so be careful what you say. Today I look back and I see what a profound wisdom James gave me, but I missed it. I was just looking at one side of the scale. And then when the Lord began to prosper me, then I began to see, I began to see the weight, the burden, the load, the responsibility. I'm not trying to discourage you from being rich. I'm just trying to tell you, be careful what you wish for. You might have it. Let me close this by saying, God used those prophets Profoundly, Elijah did great things. Elisha did great things. But unfortunately, the people of Israel never changed. Could it be that's what we're dealing with right now in America? We have churches just about in every corner. I'm pretty sure there are great men and women of God preaching in those churches and synagogues. But guess what? Not much has changed. We still remain divided. We still remain disunited. You're still hearing about killings and crimes, shedding of innocent blood. You're still, you're still hearing all kinds of bad news. We're still going through a lot right now as I speak. 
So the words of those prophets could not change things. Here's what I want you to take out of this. Because the people would not change. And because they continue to have a pattern of bad leaders. One guy, his name is Jehu, J-E-H-U, came to power, just did all kinds of crazy things. And guess what happened? Number one, there was civil war. South Israel went after North Israel and conquered them. Internal fight. Brothers fighting each other. Black on black crime. Are you listening to me? In fact, it got so bad that even their own neighborhood is no longer safe. Sounds like what we're dealing with right now. It got worse because people would not change. Because of bad leadership, because of injustice, because of sin, because of all kinds of crazy things going on. Eventually, God allowed an enemy, Babylon, to come and invade Israel. Destroy their temple. Take them captives in their own country. And then they end up in Babylon as slaves. You know, we've heard a lot about slavery throughout history. I don't know about you. I don't want us to go back to that. I don't want you or men to become slave to any man. I want to pray that God will touch your heart and touch my heart. That we will begin to move towards God in every area of our life. A million preacher would not save us unless we have a change in our heart. And I just pray today in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will do what I may not be able to do to you or you do to me. That God will cause you and I to have a, a serious change of heart. Beginning with our own life that will begin to change and move towards God. Next with our own family that will begin to train and teach our own children, our loved ones. To serve God. And not to take God for granted. We cannot really count on government to do that for us. Believe it or not, the Bible said, and I believe, without God, you and I can do nothing. Think about it. May God bless you till we meet again. Thank you.